You're listening to the Hindu Business Lines Field Notes podcast with TR Vivek. Hello dear listeners and welcome to another episode of Field Notes, the weekly podcast on all things agri business from the Hindu Business Line. I'm your host TR Vivek. Right, uh, how has 2021 been for Indian agri business in general and agri tech companies in particular? There was of course the continuing uh protests by farmers that ended in the repeal of the three signal farm bills how did it go down with india's agri private sector how did uh, you know did indian agri tech break any new thresholds on the road to maturity and what prospects does 2022 hold to discuss all that we have with us today venki ramachandran Venki is an independent consultant who advises agri businesses and agri tech firms on strategy, market access, and fundraise. Uh, he also runs the weekly newsletter Agri Biz Agri Business Matters. Do check it out. Uh, Venki is based in Hyderabad, but uh, he is here in Chennai to soak up a bit of the city's December season. Yeah. Venki, welcome to Chennai. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how's how's the kacheri hopping been? Good. It just started actually. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up here, so okay. I used to play in the season. Okay. Yeah. You seem to have lost your voice listening to music. Yeah. Yeah. I I've been in, you know uh, traveling and and also uh, staying up all night few uh, for a few uh, personal emergencies. Okay. So yeah, I lost a bit of voice, but yeah, hoping to catch up. In uh, in uh, Carnatic music terms, how would you describe twenty twenty one for uh, Indian agri business? Uh. interesting question see actually the you know alapna and all was very great right and and then after after a good a good alapna when you when the kirtanam starts right and and you you almost realize that with the you know uh you know with with the, with the nerval that people singing uh, everyone is trying to sing a different nerval right and nerval sometimes has to go into a, a kalpana swaram and that's where new startups are coming in kalpana swaram is yeah. abstract interpretation yeah. abstract interpretations and where that's where your 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 agritech startups are having their own kalpanas for us mm-hmm. trying to find new ways to uh, make sense of what's happening in the space and come up with different ways to solve the problem now you know all all together did did we achieve the whole kancheri or did we really create something ending i think that's where the real question is and i think you know perhaps we may not get an objective answer but everyone is trying trying to sing their own songs mm-hmm. and play their own tunes mm-hmm. uh has has indian agri tech in particular uh, has it crossed the varnam stage is it is it starting to sing uh, or or make progress towards a full fledged uh, ragam thanam pallavi see in about in fy20 right agri tech startups in india about uh, raised about 2.1 billion right right now the thing is you know now that you're talking about carnatic music right we have arikodi who pioneered a certain structure Right. right now and that structure has been there for almost several years so he sort of formatted formatted the model, formatted the model kacheri right, right. Mm-hmm. now what happens is when new players come in they come in with first radical ideas right they want to change the entire grammar they want to change they want things. to they want to uh, uh, sing the tukada first yeah they want to sing the tukada first or they want to directly start off with one song and then get off to a different song in the alapna itself and traverse through multiple ragas well it which may not fit the model but the funniest thing is you know when you see uh agritech startups that are raising funding right it inevitably the funding is going towards that part of the model which is already being de- default mm-hmm. 
right? The default structure, right? Which is where uh, your traditional uh, middleman kind of an operations, right? Where you have the, the traders and the, you know, arhatiyas or the commission agents or, or the input retailers. These are the traditional pillar posts of the, uh, you know, agri sector. You know, these are the nerve centers of agri sector, right? And one would almost expect that agri tech startups would come in and, and disrupt that ecosystem. But, you know, it's, it's strangely that the money has gone towards those startups which are trying to digitize the current uh, pillars, the current nerve centers. So in other words, so you know, the startups that are solving for the market access problem. Yeah, I mean, market That'd access right. is a big, it's a big word, right? See, today, I, for easy sake, let's break this up into two parts. Okay. There's an upstream where you have from the, you know, from the agri input companies value chain. Right in terms of where an agri input, which is be it a seed or a or a this is typically pre-harvest pre-harvest right a pre-harvest kind of a one and then there's a post-harvest right today if you see where the money has been flowing it has been flowing towards more towards the downstream post-harvest right if you see the numbers close to about 1.37 billion were raised in the post-harvest value chain whereas about uh, you know one third of it about three three hundred million or something get what raised in the pre-harvest. But the good thing is the number of deals have been increasing in the pre-harvest. In in other words, we tried to create, I mean, if you really look to cut the long story short, we tried to imagine a new structure of ways of singing and Carnatic structure, right? But eventually we ending up digitizing the the existing structures. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's my, my bone with the, you know, with all the funding ecosystem. And I, that's dialogue I often have with the VC community also, right? That you're ending up digitizing the status quo. Uh, you know, digitizing the current structures, which may be good, right? Uh, you know, which has its own pluses and minus. But how does it really change the ground underneath? Now, that's the bigger question. But that digitization is also a must, right? You know, you can't have a uh, modern agribusiness chain without digitizing the parts that are being digitized now or where the money is flowing now. No, no, nobody's saying no to digitization, right? But the, the question, essential question is, what problem are you solving? Today, these businesses that that have been running in. Also, also, if you could give an example of what we are talking about here, when we say digitizing some bits of the downstream yeah. part of agri business, what are what are those? And uh, offer some examples of some companies sure. that are doing. Sure. See, if you take a classic case of uh, you know in the downstream, right? You have a let's say Chennai-based company called PayAgri. Now, PayAgri, if you if you really say they are operating at the uh, downstream end of the value chain. What do they do? So now they they tie up with FPCs and FPOs, uh, you know, with with chilies and 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 then they ensure that those those supplies are given to uh, players in the you know like you know your Achi masala kind of players, right? So they do the supplying at the other downstream end. They they procure from FPCs and they do some some bit of value addition and 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 then they give it to the buyers. Mm-hmm. Now uh, recently they are, I mean they they about uh, there's another company in based out of Gujarat. Bombay, which is into textiles, they acquired about 51% stake in that company. Now, that's just one example of how a downstream is. A downstream is typically where I set up uh, my own private mandis or I try to digitize the operations of the ahatiyas or the traders uh, or I offer a, a virtual marketplace for these traders to, to, to run their businesses. Right? So, that, those are classic examples of a downstream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, then my question is, what is the problem if money is, is if VC money and investor money is going into that part of, of agribusiness? See, 
you know we have to really understand a, a lot and, of and if i may why do you think if i've got you right why do you think it is like putting the uh, cart before the horse see the reason why i i'm i'm kind of pointing towards that is if you really see fundamentally how our agima agri markets have evolved over time right mm-hmm. uh you know if you see the apmc they are all a 40 year old beast right. right they've taken 40 years it's it's as much as you know i mean the, the nearest metaphor i give is uh you know if you go to meghalaya right you see those living root bridges right and each and if you read and i spent uh, some time there last year a few years back actually and if you really see how the farmer how the people there construct that bridge right it's about a 20 30 year project where they slowly move the the roots in such a way that roots take over and build that structure likewise every apmc is about a 30 40 year old nexus of relations that have been built over time and has over time calcified into certain structures that only benefit few right and if you really look at the uh, you know talk from purely from an objective lens of how markets are designed right today we all know that in the indian agricultural market is fundamentally flawed for the for the simple reason that it's there are we are talking about thin markets Where there are no competition. I mean, if you really talk about uh, you know the Nobel Prize winning economist Al Roth, right? He talks about two markets. One is a thick market and the thin market. A thin market has very less differentiation and few traders, whereas a thick market has a lot of competition and new players. For 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 a long time, whether we like it or not, agri agri businesses in 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 India and the trade largely has been a thin market where there are few traders who control the shots. Right now. now that is a, a fundamental asymmetry in in the relation that that you know translates into in between the farmer and the trader when you when you, when you describe it as a thin market could you give an example say you know you could even take onions for instance yeah uh, how onions the onion market in maharashtra is controlled perhaps by a handful of yeah you, you, in onion markets you can you know there's a sholapur belt there's a, a nasik belt and and pretty much if you want to you know do business at scale those are the guys who are running the shots right, right. and now today <coughs> they are it's good that they are, are embracing coming up to speed with technology but now what does that you know what does that do to the way prices are discovered in the market mm-hmm. prices i mean if you really look at the original intent behind farm laws right they were designed to make sure that there is a price integration between a deficit region and surplus region mm-hmm. now is that problem being solved is the first question now then so then there there are the questions right in terms of today even after after farm laws and even after eca was revoked we still saw how much of control they put on onion prices right mm. so in i mean all of this then the the fundamental question is there is a a significant asymmetry between a trader as an entity and a farmer as an entity now uh, that you know that advantage that asymmetry is has leads to a lot of structural problems what the is the asymmetry the asymmetry is in terms of who calls the shot and who gets to decide what's the price and who gets to decide what the quality is mm-hmm. right see so today it's, so it's the trader decides completely yeah the yeah. the dice is loaded in the trader's favor of the trader see today if i buy uh, uh, this pen right now the quality of this pen is is determined by certain standards right whereas in in the produce case there is somebody i mean if i if i go buy a certain produce I don't have to convince, or or the trader who is buying it, he doesn't have to convince that this is of a certain quality, and the I don't have to be convinced of that. The price does that thing, mm-hmm. right? The moment I I buy, I this a friend about me gifted me this pen for about it, it's worth about some four k or something. Now now automatically that price is determined. What is the right supply and demand? Mm-hmm. 
Now, the fundamental question in agriculture, as from my understanding, from my limited understanding, uh, I mean, I've been only in this space since uh, about 2011 or so, uh, is that today price doesn't match the supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the economics 101. When prices don't match supply and demand, then what do you do? Right. So, so those are the fundamental structural questions that, that really underlie. So, so while it's great, we are digitizing trade and we need to do furthermore. And, and I think that way farm laws are also a good step in that direction. Right. But I think, you know, I mean, I, I like to push the bar higher to see what can we really do. Right. You know, uh, farm loss was uh, the repeal of the farm loss rather was, of course, music to the ears of the protesting farmers. Mm. Uh, uh, now, since you consult with uh, a lot of players in the private sector, how did it sound to their ears? No, <coughs> see, many of them, uh, you know, there are two phases, right? The phase one is. Uh, is there a sense of gloom and doom? Uh, because I, I I hear a lot of it in 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 some circles. About, you know, a lot of breast beating. That you know, look, this is again we we plumped for status quo and iska uh, kuch You know, and Indian agri is consigned uh, to be in this status quo forever, and we've lost a sort of a golden window of opportunity. Uh, is that the same sense that you get talking to people in the private sector? No, I think, see, many people have over time, you know, so there are some people, of course, who are who, who are really not so happy about it for various reasons. But overall, if you really see the way agriculture markets are, if you spend time in the Mondays and if you if you if you're traveling, there is always a, a certain sense of optimism that now maybe, you know, we've gone past both sides, right? right. There are side we, we went gaga over to the farmless. There was a phase when we went out that this is all doom. This is going to bring in a corporate cronyism of a different kind. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good to go through that whole cycle so that now we can really look at the long-term questions, right? Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally, if you really look at, uh, you know, the, the reforms is a, it's a very long unfinished project. And I think this really brings it to a ground zero in terms of, uh, you know, moving really forward in this. So I don't see, while there are some players who have been expressed there, but, but those who are really in attuned with the way agricultural markets are in this country know that this is, this is a long project. This cannot be solved in one year with a with a swing, you know, with with a wand of wand of a law. Mm-hmm. So I, these these are very complex problems. This this involves several stakeholders, right? I mean, if you really look at the way our policies have been framed, uh, you know, they go back to the roots, go back to the even the constitution. There are certain constitutional elements, which is what Sharad Joshi has been arguing about and debating about before he passed away, mm-hmm. right? And and even still now the. Krishikari Sangatna has been doing. So these are very long projects. They, they are tied to the federal structure set. So, uh, you know, to expect that uh, one law would change 40 years of uh, accumulated systems that have been built together uh, was was an illusion anyway. Right. So I think it's a good, good, I think, for me, I've, I've been optimistic that we are now at a stage where we've gone through the highs and lows. Now we could probably, you know, really look at what to really, what kind of change we can really bring. In the uh, agribiz startup space, uh, what have been some of the most sort of exciting developments or fundraisers or companies that have sort of that have uh, took the next step or the big leap in 2021? What comes to your mind? But they, they've got extremely ambitious, and uh, and that's the that's the part that gets excited me excites me right. Uh, I mean I, I I've been writing about this in the in my newsletters about you know there was this, I mean I'm a, a big movie buff. Uh, if you really look at the history of Hollywood, between 1920s and 40s, right, uh, 
uh, when sound was introduced in cinema, it led to an explosion of activity in the film film scene. Mm-hmm. Like that, like you have these uh, Jewish moguls who all set up the big, large uh, enterprises that did film production, distribution, and also theater. They had control over all the three. I see a lot of parallels in that with respect to agriculture. Like today, you talk to a, any startup. He is talking about going, going all the way to to see what can I do to own the access of the uh, the active ingredient, which is the or or the seeds, and and all the way to to the production, to controlling the process of production, to finding the buyers, and ensuring that they get a good you know margins yeah, for the buyers. Everyone wants to be a platform now, and that yeah. seems to be the buzzword. Yeah. What I meant was, you know, um, uh, tell us about some of some of the exciting companies, you know, companies that that made a big leap in twenty twenty one. uh some some interesting uh, deals or fundraisers or partnerships that you think could be exciting going forward no see one of the most recent one that was uh, buyer partnering with microsoft mm-hmm. right that's like that's like as equivalent as two big, big big players coming together and trying to find collaboration in the areas of agribusiness and and seeing what kind of platforms can be built at massive scale I mean, if you if you if you really consider the fact that the amount of scale and in which buyer operates, yeah, and of course the largest the largest player in the agri agri business in the world. world. Right. So that's one one which example. Towns Monsanto. Yeah. So it's coming together of one of the largest tech companies and yeah. uh, an agri company. So that is a huge part, a huge role, and and if you really see that as a downstream effect, right now today. uh when this when this kind of a digital partnership is coming in they are going to look at partnering with agri tech startups as their channel partners mm-hmm. right so which is going to bring in a huge amount of changes there and 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 not just that right if you talk if you see uh you know how uh, let's say agri bazaar has been doing they are all partnering with governments so there have been a lot of uh you know historically if you see talk to entrepreneurs agri tech entrepreneurs they've been you know like i when i was in the sector as a player when i was working for an agitech startup the the mantra was never go to a government right because government as well then you know all the nexuses you don't want to you don't want to get your due, you will not get your dues so you're going to always be stay a, a mile distance from that but now if you see the amount of partnerships of the governments are happening today almost if you take nafed if you talk about the nafed how many start, startups are auctioning the producers for nafed how many startups are controlling if you take dehat dehat has been trying to control the Uh, you know the pulses in the in terms of the nafed drive by in there so they are one one of the buyers there and likewise so earlier from that from seeing an arms link distance between the government now everybody is getting extremely cozy and comfortable with governments so that's one big change so there are a lot of developments that have been happening which are will will 2022 see uh, more investment and the emergence of deep tech agritech startups uh, rather than merely populating the space of market access and aggregation and and, and supply chain uh, management yeah see uh, you know uh, traditionally the, the way the funding goes as as far as i understand once a certain baseline set of problems are addressed then the top line level comes in right it's like once i build the the ground floor then the top floor comes in right so so is is this space ready yes you know, are the foundations in place for say you know agnext is an interesting agritech company you know which operates you know in the space of computer vision and and uh, quality control yeah and, but they moved into trading which is surprising yeah. Yeah. as i said everyone wants to be a platform yeah yeah i mean i mean that's why see these are very hard problems okay. vicky are the 
are the foundations of uh, agribiz or agritech in place in india for uh, uh, deep tech uh, startups to emerge yes i think a base a baseline level of uh, how much of agritech platforms that can be built is, is already there the funding is already gone so now a deep tech in terms of uh, you know whether i see more deep tech not in, more into the space of quality because quality is a very tough problem to crack uh, and we can talk about that at some time later uh, but deep tech in terms of uh you know uh genomics to to do uh, uh to select to select seed breeding right. or or players that are going with alternative proteins uh or people who are trying with with alternative fertilizers that that are green fertilizers green chemicals mm-hmm. green molecules so those are the kind of deep tech players who are right now uh you know or people who are coming up with new biologicals that are you know that are uh, that don't leave so much of residue compared right. to the traditional agrochemicals those are the kind of sectors where i you can see more uh, money flowing in what about satellite imagery there seems to be a lot of uh, i hear a lot of talk around you know sat, you know hooking up satellite imagery to crop insurance and you know even performance management and early detection of uh, of insect or pest attacks see i i would temper that enthusiasm in some sense because i i actually played with that technology in when i was earlier working in that space right today you can only get about 60 to 70% accuracy mm-hmm. when you do it with the satellite imagery no matter what expensive tech you want to go in that you still need somebody to do a ground truthing so there is a potential but that potential needs to you know that technology needs to be also embedded with other models that will enable you to do ground work right. today uh, you know there is a good amount of work that's happening on uh, geofencing mm-hmm. where you could geofence every every acre and and then identify but but it's not good for again anything that grows below the soil right anything that grows tubers, below the soil yeah tubers for instance it doesn't work that so i mean i wouldn't dismiss that completely but but i still i think you know like companies like pixel mm-hmm. uh, which is again uh, you know one of the space tech players which raised a lot of money uh, you know has been giving a good shot at it and there are a lot of players who are now saying that i will uh, with the satellite data i'll give you your estimation of your yields yeah, right. right but but I, in the ground i i you know it's not more than 60 to 70% mm-hmm. so there's a lot of lot of work ahead and it can never alone solve a problem it needs to go and complement with other technologies mm-hmm. that can i mean other technologies involve actually somebody going in and testing in and then correlating with that data right um what do your mind are some of the three or four uh, trends in agri tech that we are likely to see in 2022 Uh, both in terms <coughs> of uh, uh, investment ideas and uh, you know uh, the problems that startups are likely to focus on cracking see now uh, earlier we had very ho- horizontal broad set of uh, players right which looked at end to end i i said talked about from the hollywood's example right which is like very ambitious now so now i think we are in a stage where all the basic low hanging fruits are being taken so we could expect very specialized focused companies that are solving a particular value chain for a particular uh, crop or a particular value chain and they're going deep into it now you see you can see another trend is like you said uh, life sciences is again another sector where you could see a lot more investments uh, because traditionally in, in in india the funny thing in india is uh, people who are in life science think it's an agriculture problem people who are in agriculture see life sciences as an outsider problem so that you know the space has always be, has always fallen within the cracks now uh, we can expect some more funding to come in, into that side mm-hmm. so 
uh, yeah, so those are some of the trends there. I mean, I overall I see today uh, you know much more uh, maturity in terms of how to deal with it. Like earlier, FPOs were were like the, the big thing, like right. And but people t- now today have they they've come and figured out what are the real challenges in in operationalizing FPO and also bringing a digital layer, lens a layer on top of it. So I think now we can expect some more maturity. ஒன்னு Right, sisters, until we meet next week, goodbye and God bless.